We've all seen the news, and I know you guys are equally as concerned about our community as I am. Absolutely. We're, we're privileged to be uh, college-educated Black Americans. You know, probably I would, within the first two, maximum three generations of our family that have had this same privilege. So we have a responsibility. We've all seen the numbers, but I don't think any of us are surprised by what we're seeing in terms of the health disparities and the outcomes that we're seeing during this COVID-19 crisis in the African-American community. Other communities might be looking at it with a shock. Other groups within our community might be looking at it within a shock. I think we all probably saw it coming. There's so many different um, inputs that have been allowed for years, some of them willful, some of them not. So I really wanted to bring you on because you guys um, are trusted opinions and resources for me to talk about health disparities today. And um, I'm going to kick us off and then I'm a, you know, there's no, there's no bounds. We just go. Okay. Okay. All right. So health right. disparities, uh, according to the CDC are uh, inequities at uh, inequalities and gaps in health or health determinants between segments of population. For example, for example, differences in disease rates, Receipt of preventative vaccines or risky behaviors are all examples of disparities and health inequities are avoidable. So we're seeing that like in places like Chicago and New Orleans, the death rate in our uh, of COVID-19 uh, in the African-American community is like 80 percent of the deaths. And that's just something that we can't allow to go unnoticed or to be washed out in the next media cycle. So I just wanted to bring you on today just to have the conversation. Okay. So I welcome my friend as always, uh, Dr. Maurice Dolberry and Dr. Joriel Brown Houston, or is it, or is it just, do you, do you keep the, the original name in which you got your doctorate or do you just switch all together? That's been a conversation we've had before. Is it Joriel Houston, Dr. Joriel Houston? Houston. So you okay? You took Brown out of it altogether. No hyphenation. It's my middle name, but no hyphenation. Okay. My, I have boys, and their last name is Houston. And my husband's last name is Houston. We are one family, one unit. Last I, name Houston. I knew Houston was there. I didn't know if you kept Brown in it at all. So, thank you very much for the for the clarity. All right, let's go. So. As you said, Brendan, this is not a new conversation. Unfortunately, this is a public health issue that has been around for years, for decades, for centuries. If you think about it, you think about minority communities and uh, the environments in which they live, exist. And that is one of the main things that you think about when you talk about health disparities, you hear these words also linked with it called social determinants of health. So I'm jumping right into this other inextricably linked variable. And that's that talks about where people are born, where they live, where they grow up, where they work, and how all of those things impact their health. Mm-hmm. And so we are talking about how people's environments specifically really impact their health. Now, yes, you can talk about things that happen over generations, but oftentimes those things that are genetically, people are genetically predisposed to happened because of where they lived, where they worked, where they were born, where they Mm -hmm. grow up. And so we have very real health concerns and issues. And so when people automatically said in the beginning that COVID was hitting people that were vulnerable populations, 
we are those vulnerable populations because our health is not at anywhere where it should be in terms of a general health status because of several variables, one of those, which is the environment. And I'll stop there because I want Mo to jump in. Excuse me, Dr. Mo. <laughs> you know, you're the I know, Mo. I'm, I'm the fake doctor. I'm the right papers doctor. You need to actually do something. Uh, well, and, and you, but you, you obviously brought up some phenomenal points and some very interesting points. The first one I think of, so from from my perspective, I look at things, obviously, education, sociology is my background. And, and so when we look at those systemic factors, it, those same things that cause because we're using that word disparity and vulnerable communities, marginalized communities, you're still talking about the same groups of people. And so it's not just education. It's, of course, things like health. I, I love the quote. I heard that Gregory uh, say it one time is, you know, when the uh, United States gets a cold, black people get pneumonia. Mm-hmm. You know, so so we face we face the we face the the disproportionate burden of anything that affects everyone else. And you can specifically trace the effects and find those who are going to be the most marginalized at the ends of racism sexism, classism, those things that that separate us, uh, gender as well and gender difference, those things when you find the when you find the disempowered or the deprivileged groups out of those uh, in those groups of people, that's where you're going to find folks who are most susceptible to COVID-19. I think one piece that's important to add to it is the fact that that we don't pathologize these communities. We don't say like our our I hate because I know B. I know you're gonna go there with our Surgeon General and what what your man tried to say about uh you know big big mom big mama and them uh but you know (laughs) it's it's one of those things where we have to be very careful how we navigate that right like yes sir it's a vulnerable community but are you vulnerable because there's something inherently wrong with how you go about living your life and the answer is no the answer is like like Doc Houston said. It's always been that way. It's always been these groups, especially here in the United States. See, I might have to push back and maybe I misunderstood your point. As a person who has spent at least the last decade focusing on improving people's health and and athletic performance. Right. Um, I don't know. Maybe I misunderstood what you said, but is there a is there a, a problem with the way that we practice? What was the phrase you used? Practice life. What did you say? Living life. Living life. Is there an unhealthy way that we practice uh, our culture? To me, I say the answer in many cases is yes. Now, tell me I'm wrong. Kick me back if you need to. Um, You know, our goal for sure is to have this discussion in a way that definitely no matter who else is listening, reaches our community. And truthfully, there's a lot of stuff in our culture that the way we practice and have practiced for decades that contributes to part to the problem. Um, you know, I, I look at it in terms of like water level, right? If healthy, healthy homeostasis is here and we continue to kind of park our boats sub at low, low tide, when the flood comes, we're underwater. And, and it's, it's incensing to me as, as I know it is to you, just some quick stats. Uh, for, again, this is like a 10 year old report from the CDC regarding, um, our community. Um, the rates of premature death, meaning before 75 years uh, of age, 
from stroke or, or coronary heart disease were higher among non-Hispanic blacks than among whites. Rates for drug-induced deaths are higher. Infant mortality is higher. Uh, homicide is, they're saying, 300% higher. There's a lot of environment in there. There's a lot of environment. There's a lot of other factors. I just want to make sure that we kind of destigmatize the conversation. And, you know, last time you brought up eating a salad with your dad, I'm sure he mentioned rabbit food. Now, that's a part of his age <laughs> and his culture. But how do we start to move this thing forward so that we can at least start to have this conversation monthly, weekly, you know, in, in ways that kind of destigmatize it? So I'm going to weigh in quickly because I think Mo was touching on a point, which is there are some things that are in our control and there are some things that are, are, are not in our control. Mm-hmm. And there are some things in way, ways in which we make ourselves vulnerable and some ways in which um, the vulnerabilities are inherent in our in our environments. If there are such things, we look at the, the some of these um, rates, some of the diseases that we have a higher propensity towards. So we're talking about things like higher cholesterol, higher um, issues around diabetes, um, uh, hypertension, certain cancers. There is absolutely a diet component of that. Now, historically, yes, if I go back to slavery, no, we were not provided a diet right. that would have allowed for a good homeostasis or a good health status. Mm-hmm. And we have now in our environments, if you look, I live in D.C. and I live in a literal food desert. There is not a grocery store in Ward 7. How is that possible? Mm-hmm. But there are several takeout places and uh, uh, liquor stores mm-hmm. and small corner stores that have mm-hmm. all kinds of processed food that I could eat and that the kids in this neighborhood absolutely eat. Same way for you in Detroit, Maurice. So there is... Right. Same thing, right? So there are certain things now. There are those of us who still put things in our mouths that we should not, even though we have access to better foods, even though we are closer to places where we can get foods that are organic and or just healthy, fresh fruits, like fresh fruits and vegetables and um, non-processed foods and cook. Um, And we could work out. There are less walking paths in in my neighborhood than there are in other neighborhoods. But it is about making, um, and Brendan, we talked about this, I don't know, two podcasts ago about, you know, (laughs) how do we make health sexy? Like people have to, we have to figure out how do we make health sexy because it is it, it right now it is not, which is why health disparities continue to exist because there's no national level strategy about how we are truly going to impact and address health disparities. And then from a ground roots level, how do we make it um, so that people in minority communities will really take take accountability for themselves and say, okay, the variables that are in my control, the things that are in my control, how do I make that shift and make that entire paradigm shift so that going to McDonald's isn't the default, it is the exception. Right. Yeah. That's something that's that's huge. And and navigating that whole difference between saying, okay, because we say them the, those trigger words, right? Personal responsibility. You say personal responsibility to me and that whole, the social justice warrior in me is like, where are you going with this? Right? <laughs> because I look at my family and I've traced my family, seven generations on both sides. No generation has eaten well. And, and almost all of them have lived in food deserts or in places where, you know, like Joel said, there's this processed food. And so now, you know, most of my family 
lives in places where they will regularly eat at places that are like convenience stores, right? Because that's where you can buy the least expensive food. And so that's a function of economic, it's a function of economic discrimination, which is a function, which is a function of racism. So it, it, it always goes back to those things. And one of the, one of the aspects of it that happens is, well, while you have a disproportionate victimhood, now you actually ha- act, have to have some sort of exceptionality. Now it takes the 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 Brendans of the world to be like, nah, I'm gonna be a pie piper for health and fitness. We have to go this extra mile that that other people don't have to go when we are repairing the damages that have been done. And so a lot of folks just a lot of folks really don't know how to eat like rabbit food. You know, that concept is like I want to eat food that tastes good. People don't people do just in general. Americans don't really get the idea that you can eat food that's delicious, that's healthy because of the way that we have been acculturated to health food. Right. There's there's I'm sorry. Uh, Let me me jump for a second. There's access, which we talked, which Jory kind of talked about. Uh, There's um, specific knowledge. Right. Like it's such a brand new thing. It might be overwhelming. Right. So we have a lot of work to do that we can't solve the three of us, but we Mm -hmm. can encourage those who can, you know, start to improve things like, you know, access in your neighborhood that can be done. Um, Especially if you have already a a store, if you're if you're Brooklyn tea, you know, what can we do? Can we do more? We've already doing tea. Can we do more vegan meals, more vegetarian meals? If you're, um, what's Bubby's store called in Brooklyn? If you're Amarachi Prime, you're already doing some healthy ingredients. How can we increase the vegetable content in your meals? If you're a guy like, if you're any one of us three, maybe we can do some more content in those spaces where possible. Joy, you're in DC, Mo, you're in Seattle. You know, I'm sure we have friends who have businesses in those areas that maybe we set up you know, we're already doing a lot of work, but maybe it's, it's definitely worth it. Maybe we do an hour seminar in those places for free that we reach out to our community. So it's really a challenge, I think, to you guys, a double challenge to myself and to everyone listening that it's well past time to go the extra mile. And like you said, Maurice, it's the same thing that your parents and everybody in an authority position has always told you. You had to be twice as good. Right. To, to go half as far. To go half as far. <laughs> We, we we might sweep that under the table. We might be thinking we're in this post-racial America that I don't know what we're thinking, but we still have to go twice as far. We're coming from a deficit. And, and my mom matters. Your, my dad matters. And your parents matter. And, and if something happened to one of your parents, it would impact me because yep. of the how I know you'd feel about it. And that's kind of the message that I, I didn't want to drive home too much today. I know we have limited time, um, but I, I want to make sure we go one more time around whatever you guys want to in part, is definitely, you know, wide open. Let's go. Yeah, yeah, I'll jump in because I, I want to on that last word. So, um, <laughs> I, you know, that's it. <laughs> I just keep it real simple. The messaging is important. You can't don't be up there trying to cold switch when you don't normally cold switch. That's not your that that's not within your true. That's not your MO. That's not within your skill set. The Surgeon General clearly is not a code switching type dude. That's not Barack Obama was not a code switching type dude, but he learned how to do it and he became effective at it. And so he became an effective intracultural communicator because he struggled when he lost his first election. He struggled. Was it Bobby Rush that he lost first? He got mashed because he couldn't communicate with black folks. And 
So it's imperative that those of us who are communicating with black folks know how to communicate with black folks. Like what what Dr. Fauci said compared to what our Surgeon General said is a much more not only palatable, but actionable set of circumstances that he's given us in terms of and and shout out to my crib to to, um, Governor Whitmer from Michigan. Right. Who has who has sent this messaging forward and has said these are vulnerable, marginalized communities. We have to address what we have done to these communities to hinder them, to 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 cripple them so that they have to bear uh, this 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 huge burden. Right. So we have to be able to communicate that effectively. So if you you can't go switch. That's not in your that's it's not in your repertoire. Don't do it because you're just going to make it worse. Hmm. It becomes condescending. It becomes paternalistic. Okay. So uh, I have so many things that I could say. Um, Go off. Please do. (laughs) Well, some of those things we'll reserve for a different time, (laughs) a different space. Um, The after after podcast. uh, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, as a public health person, I, I have to just state, restate, underscore, um, in this environment that we're in right now, Um, you must take care of yourself. What I mean by that is I'm very serious. I still go out right now, limited, um, and go to stores and do what I need to do. Um, I would not consider myself necessarily part of a vulnerable population because my health is actually in a very good place because I have a consciousness about my own health and wanting to be good for myself, but most importantly, also be good for my, my family. I still wear a mask. If I'm in public, I wear a mask and I wear gloves, meaning to the grocery store. And you can go on the Surgeon General's website and see how to make a mask from a T-shirt into rubber bands. Mm -hmm. So there's very key, important information that is out there that you should use. I think what people didn't realize when they heard the words vulnerable population, they thought they were talking about somebody down the street or somebody in the hospital. Those of you with diabetes, with hypertension, with high cholesterol, your body is trying to fight those things already. And now, if and when you're exposed to COVID, yes, you are a vulnerable population because your body is now going to then try to fight something else. So it's like when you get have a cold and then somebody comes around you with the flu, guess what? You don't have the same level of immunities that you can to fight that. So what we need to do is think about this as a warning sign for the world and for all minority communities, why not try to get ourselves in the best health? So if and when, and when I really want to say is when this happens again, we are not part of the vulnerable population. That means we have to put things in our body just off the break. I'm not even, just get more of this in your body, just as a start. What can you do? Just get like good Start with two. I know some of you are like, I don't like the taste of water. <laughs> Put a couple drops of one of the, 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 the like watermelon drops, just two or three if you mm. can't get it down initially. But you got to start getting more water in your system. Mm-hmm. You have to. You have to really watch what you're getting in your system. Get that sodium down. Sodium kills your ability to fight immunities. And then, of course, I'm going to go down my exercise round because Brendan knows is my personal trainer piece of me. I love group fitness. I'm hoping to get a step class online in the next couple of weeks so that we can get some of these ladies, all of us who are rocking our natural hair now, don't have to worry about going to the hair salon. <laughs> we can work out some more. But I really do want people to understand 
this it this is likely this when I say a pandemic of some nature is likely to happen again and vulnerable populations will be again susceptible. So what do we need to do? We need to learn from this lesson that we are in right now and say, how can we do better? And yes, Brendan, it is we are accountable. We the three of us are, are accountable for doing more, bringing more people along, sure. kicking and fighting and screaming, whatever it is, mm-hmm. so that we can do things like uh, get more um uh, food entities in our communities that are willing to provide healthy options uh, and, and non-processed food for that matter. So take it to heart, people. Learn, um, you know, you you can shame on, uh, what is it? Fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice. No, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. J. Cole's okay? going to get you. <laughs> yeah. So, right. That's you know, great. Get, get, get yourself together, you know, do the things I, we just said, there are things that are in our control, the things that are in your control, what you put in your mouth, how much exercise you get. Those are things that you can do that you can, how you can make a difference so that you're not part of the vulnerable population. Wrapping up, I have a couple things and it's going to bring you back in for one quick comment. There's a couple things I want to go through. Number one, uh, this video as well as several other resources, there's a live document that I've created. The URL is alumniroundup.com slash healthy dash living. All right, that's going to be up forever. Everything is free. It's really a place where you can come get resources. And even if you're in great health, it's a place where you can find resources for couching the conversation with your family or friends. It's a non-pressure situation, just resources, right? Number two. Um, there's a, you know, if you're ever on an Island and you have a flashlight, you flash SOS, right? Save our ship. We need to look at this as S Y S. We need to save, you need to save yourself right now. Right. Mm -hmm. Jory touched on it. Nobody's coming to the rescue. There is no cavalry coming. The federal government is a blunt instrument. It will never get to your neighborhood in a meaningful way and communicate with your family and friends. It won't happen. Right. So take it upon yourself if you're hearing this and you're willing to do the work, even just for your immediate family. It's going to make a difference. And number three, this is the part I want to bring you guys back in because it's something that you've seen in your family. It's something I've seen in my family and friend circles. It's take your medicine. Right. If you're in a position right now where you're currently medicated, don't unmedicate yourself. You're not a physician. If you've been if you've let yourself or found yourself in a position of compromised health to the point where you've been medicated for a thing. Do not unmedicate yourself and stop taking your meds or take them as you feel like, right? This is the time to double down and go further. It's the time to increase your interaction with your physician to find out, you know, what you need to be doing to address today. And then you can ask better questions and say, uh, well, how do I get to the position where maybe I can come off these meds? What do I need to do? And that's the real, that's the question, right? What can you do on top of it? Don't back away from your meds. Anything you guys want to offer on that? I know you've seen it before. Yeah, I know that, you know, so again, going back to economically depressed areas, people now, especially during so the pandemic happens, and now people are rationing out their own medicine. You know, the di- people who are diabetic are rationing, rationing out their insulin because they are out of work and now their or their health insurance has been compromised. And so now they they don't have enough. So they're playing doctor to themselves. That's not because, again, I go back to that. That's not because there's something wrong with these people. That's a normal human reaction to adversity. What we have to do is 
we have to orient to, to your point B, we have to orient folks when we're out, you know, the changing hearts and minds, changing hearts and minds to me is not as important as changing the system. So we get people who are engaged in a fight that says not, that, that, that that's premise is not there's something wrong with you and I'm going to teach you how to fix you. Let's look at the systemic issues that put you into this situation that made you into a vulnerable population. And now how can we go about fighting those systems that created that vulnerability in our population? It's a different point of contact. It's a different it's a different base of contact. And again, instead of pathologizing folks, we say, no, wait, we're going to help empower you, but not empower you because there's something wrong with you, but empower you to fight what's happening with this system that is causing all of these problems. Um, and I think so. So so the a, a big key, the key is messaging and how we go about doing it. And it gets circling back, um, you know, to my prior point, it's how we go about messaging um, those of us who have the ability to do so. And I will add that the realities of this situation is I think some folks are doing exactly what you mentioned, Brendan. It's unfortunate. And one of the ways that folks can intervene is to um, reach out to their healthcare professionals. I know personally, my healthcare professionals are actually my doctor. Let me just not even say my, I call my doctor. My doctor is doing telehealth visits. My doctor is calling in prescriptions. Some of those, um, some of the, uh, pharmacies are actually doing delivery. So please don't make assumptions that, that there is not assistance out there. There are ways in which some of the pharmacy companies are coming forward and they're actually providing, um, uh, free prescriptions right now because they know of the situation that the world is in right now. Those pharma companies have money. So trust and believe you, you have to ask. So one of the things we have become accustomed to sometimes doing is not asking for help. You need to tell your doctor, I need my prescription. You need to let them know that you're having some financial needs right now and see if they have some assistance out there. Yeah. And stop telling these folks about 5G towers. <laughs> causing coronavirus. God, tell, yeah. tell, tell these people that you're going to get the virus from radio waves in the air. But see, look, that's, and I put my fault, I was going to prolong it, but <laughs> we should have a healthy mistrust of the government, right? Of them, you know, like back when we were kids, you know, it was sucker MCs, and then, you know, now it's haters, you know, that general group that's your enemy. Them. So, sure, we should have a healthy mistrust of those same people who come from the systems that oppress us. But come on, man, you can't get off my feed. Talk about the, just the new 5G about to give you the coronavirus. This communities where they don't even have cell phone towers. Coronavirus is running rampant. So. All right. And we're out. <laughs> <laughs>